That was a super recovery, Darren. So well done, mate. Uh, if you can keep that passage open, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's where I'm going to be speaking from as we continue our vision series. So in our vision series, we started last week, uh, we're looking at our four uh, values over here under living new life for Jesus. Uh, we looked at faithful last week, do you remember that? And this week we're going to move on to our adventurous value, um, which has a number of questions underneath it to help us work out how to live adventurously. And we're going to touch each of those questions as we work through this passage. So I'm going to pray for us and ask that God would help us do just that. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word that has been read. Thanks for Darren's flexibility. Thanks, Lord, that we can hear it in our own language and have it in front of us. Help us tonight to find this ancient letter alive to us so that you might challenge and change us. Amen. All right. Uh, like, I like finding um, great illustrations to start. This is my um, illustration for tonight. A uh, picture of a bus in London. Now, what is famous about buses in London? They are double-decker buses. That's good. Um, this is a single-decker bus. Does anyone work out what's happened to it? Yeah, that's right. It's lost a decker. Um, it's, uh, it's had a, uh, an unfortunate encounter with the bridge there. And uh, I think the internet has a wonderful word for this. Um, that's fail. Okay, so that is just a fail. That is not a successful piece of driving at all. Uh, interestingly enough, the letter that we have in front of us, um, 2 Corinthians, was written by a man called Paul. And when he first started, he would have put this very uh, now word um, over Jesus. He would have said that Jesus was a fail that he was leading the Jewish people astray and that he was a rebel against the Roman government. He ended up on a cross. Well, that's unfortunate. That probably means he wasn't on God's good books. And so Paul thought it was a good thing to punish the early church. He put the early believers in jail and he pursued them. He even approved when one of them was killed for Paul. Jesus was a fail. It's interesting, we see, if you, if you have a look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that he's had a change of mind. Have a look with me at verse 16. He says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. For Paul, his vision of Jesus has changed. It's no longer worldly. It's not what you would just see on the outside. It's changed. And I wanted to have a bit of a think for you. Have you changed your view of Jesus? So for some of us, uh, you might start thinking that Jesus is a philosopher. He's got good teaching for us. He's a good teacher, a good moral teacher. Fantastic. You might think that he's a famous pacifist. Um, does anyone know who the, the spectacled guy up there is? Sorry? Mahatma Coat. Very good. No, it is, yes. Thank you, Darren. Mahatma Gandhi, right? Okay. A famous pacifist. So someone said, well, Jesus just enfolded in that, in that group. Or, or maybe he's a popular leader whose revolution got so popular that he was killed. Like this guy. Who's that? Martin Luther King Jr. If you think that about Jesus then I think Jesus is just credible. He's not really important. He's just another one of guys that you would put in your history books, your dusty history books. 
He might be a bit of a Jewish curiosity, a little bit of ancient history, but he's not going to do much for your life today. It says here that Paul no longer thinks of Jesus from a worldly point of view. And I want to encourage you not to think of him from a worldly point of view either. If we take the Bible's view of Jesus, we see a stunning difference. We see Jesus presented as the Son of God, as the Word made flesh. We see Jesus as the Passover Lamb. We see Jesus as the Son of David. We see him as the resurrected ruler. Basically, Jesus is much better than the worldly presentation. We have a Jesus who is truly the Christ. Jesus, God saves, Christ, Messiah. Do you have a Jesus who is the one who saves and is the king? Do you have a Jesus like that? Because if you do, you'll be regarding him no longer from a worldly point of view. And we need to have a big vision of Jesus in order for this next thing to make sense. Have a look with me at verse 17. Therefore, so if you have that view of Jesus, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Paul writes, the old has gone, the new is here. Now, question for the kids who can definitely answer this. What is the name of our church? New Life, great, excellent. And I called it New Life for two reasons. Number one, people who buy a block of land in a cow pasture don't do it because they want to keep everything the same. I figured that people who are coming to Oran Park who are starting to build here have come to start a new life. And so I wanted a name for our church that echoed that kind of fresh start idea. But here's what I really want them to find. The new creation has come. There is an opportunity in Jesus for us to have a totally fresh start for our past no longer to define us, for us to be made new in Jesus. And that new life is what we want everyone in Oran Park to find. So our church is called New Life, and it comes from here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. But to have a new creation, to be able to have a fresh start, you need reconciliation. It's a word that turns up a bunch of times in here. I can't remember, it's five or six times. Reconciliation is all through this passage. And reconciliation needs three things, or at least three things, I think. First of all, it needs a prior relationship. So say I meet you tonight for the first time, and I walk up and go, I would love to be reconciled with you. It won't work. It won't work because we don't have a prior relationship. For all intents and purposes, we're starting from scratch. So it needs a prior relationship. The second thing that reconciliation needs, which is tragic is pain and estrangement. You actually can't be reconciled if you haven't broken down the relationship. And so if we take the picture here of creation, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were walking wonderfully with each other and beautifully with their heavenly father. Then when they told God to rack off, I think that was the Hebrew, uh, to rack off and that they'd run their life their own way, their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with each other was fractured and now shame and pain and sin and death have entered. And so in that context, we are enemies of God. Reconciliation needs a prior relationship. It needs pain and estrangement, but then to be truly reconciliation, it needs a reversal and restoration. A reversal and restoration. 
Now, the God who was grieved by Adam and Eve's sin could have just sat there and gone, well, I'm right, you're wrong, and judgment day is coming. He could have done that, but he doesn't. He doesn't leave it there. He takes the initiative. But it's really important that you see, if you don't have sin as being important, if you don't have the anger of God, then you can't have reconciliation happen. Because God's my homie. Of course he loves me. He loves me just the way I am. There's no big deal with sin. It's just a bit of a couple of bad habits I have. God's all right with me. If that's true, you can't have reconciliation. So without the pain of knowing how much of a big deal our sin is, there is no reconciliation. Now I said that God took the initiative. Have a look with it here in verse 18. See what he did. All this, that new creation, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen to it again, verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's really amazing. God took the initiative. He came and found us when we were far away from him. The message is extraordinary. The God who is our enemy has become the one who draws us near. And this message has a vertical and then a horizontal. So God saves me, And then he commits to me a message of reconciliation. So I'm right with God, and then I need to go and make it right with others. The horizontal starts first, and then it goes to, sorry, the vertical goes first, and then it goes to the horizontal. I get right with God, and then I need to get right with each other. We need to get right with one another. So if we're going to talk about being adventurous, one of our questions is, How is the kingdom of God shaping three things? So this extraordinary message, if you and I have the message of reconciliation with God, how should that impact our lives? How should knowing that we hold the key to being right with God and right with each other, what should that impact us? How should that impact us? Well, you could say it should impact me for an hour and a half on a Sunday. I have the message of eternal life, reconciliation with God, and I'm going to just let that be about an hour and a half on Sunday. And that's if I stick around for supper. And I might not because there might be something really good on TV. But don't worry, I'm all in. I'm all in. For the... but that's not right, is it? We, know, we can feel that that's not right. And, and so uh, there's a, um, a, famous, uh, a famous challenge that says, um, give me your wallet and your watch and I will tell you who your God is. Give me your wallet and your watch. How you spend your time, how do you allocate your time, and how do you allocate your resources will tell me who your God is. Now, I think this is great. But the interesting thing is, uh, you may have heard it said before, but that the wallet is the last thing to be converted. Have you heard of this? No, you haven't. Okay, right. So here's the idea. The idea is I get right with God. Fantastic. God and I start hanging out. And then I work out, actually, I've got to actually change what I do with my time. And so I start going to church on Sunday. That's brand new. Maybe you used to sleep in, although the great thing about the evening services, you can still sleep in and come to church. But fantastic. You start putting something in your calendar that wasn't there before. So you start using your time. And then you go, I love these people. I'd like to start contributing. So you start giving your talents. 
But the thing that just stays firmly in our control, well, we get all the monopoly money we can and, and, and go on holidays and whatever, is our wallets, right? So we've changed our time, we're using our talents, but what about our treasure? And so the challenge is, if somebody took your wallet and your watch, would there be enough evidence in your calendar of your life and in your bank statement to convict you of being a Christian? And if you think the evidence might be looking a bit slim, my encouragement would be, we want to be a church that's living adventurously. To live adventurously is to say, I'm going to let the kingdom impact my time. It's going to impact how I use my talents, and it will be turning up in the way I use my treasure. I will use that for the kingdom of God. Not exclusively, but preeminently. I will think about that before other things. And if you do that, church, can I encourage you, you will be truly adventurous. Because lots of people don't do that, because the kingdom of God isn't their priority. So there's a truly adventurous start for you. Well, uh, the second illustration I've got for you, first one was a bus. Second one is a pair of sneakers. Does anyone know what these sneakers are? They are Nikes, yes. Air Jordans, thank you, Alec. That's just, that makes me very happy. This day, almost exactly 38 years ago, 26th of October 1984, Michael Jordan signed the largest footwear contract in the history of sports. Half a million dollars with Nike. It saved the company, put him on a billboard, and as soon as he started wearing these shoes, he walked onto the court and he would be fined every single game because Converse owned the NBA. And he wasn't allowed to wear Nikes, but every time he walked on the, on the court, he got fined. And Nike loved it because it became a huge news story. Michael Jordan was awesome. And so they signed him up. He got heaps of benefits, half a million bucks, and he had some responsibilities. You need to do something uh, um, to wear these shoes and be our ambassador. Okay, that's good. Random sports history. Take us back to the Bible, please. Now, let's have a read of the Bible. Have a look with me uh, at what God has done. If you've become a new creation, you've been signed up. That was verse 17. Have a look with me at verse 18. There are, there are benefits and responsibilities. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And this is it. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, here's the thing. You and I are made ambassadors. We sign up with Jesus. There are awesome benefits, uh, great benefits, aren't there, of being a Christian in this life? No, no problems. I quite find it beneficial. I can talk to my Heavenly Father. I have a new identity that isn't defined by the world. I have retirement benefits that are out of this world. Joke. Hasn't worked all day. Still going with it third time. Put the fail slide back up. All good. But here's the thing. We have this wonderful set of benefits and we have new responsibilities. You and I are asked to be ambassadors for Jesus. So who's included in this wonderful message of reconciliation? We are told in verse 19 that it is the world. Who, what is entrusted to us? God has entrusted to us the message. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
has God made a mistake choosing us as ambassadors? The answer is no. Well, at least God doesn't think he, he made a mistake signing you up as ambassadors. But you think he made a mistake, don't you? Well, it's even better than that tonight, church, isn't it? I'm going to step down a step or two and talk to you just quietly. Here's the thing. God hasn't made a mistake choosing you as ambassadors yet. Because you think I'm talking about someone else, don't you? You know, God, you can't have made a mistake making me an ambassador. Because he didn't, no, I'm thinking of them. They're okay to be ambassadors for Jesus. Or maybe you're thinking they're terrible ambassadors for Jesus, but I'm glad you didn't pick me. Guys, here's the thing. God didn't make a mistake and he chose you to be his ambassadors. You, actually you, no one else has your set of relationships. No one else is in your family. No one is with your friends or in your workplace. You are God's ambassador. Congratulations, you signed up. How is the message going to get out? Our fourth question, how is the message going to get out? It says, as though God were making his appeal through us. How is the message going to get out through God's ambassadors? When we what? That's right. You're listening, Oe. That's right. When we speak. And that's good, mate. It's up there as well. When we speak, we will be God's ambassadors and non-speaking ambassadors are worse than useless. So the question we ask is, how are you boldly sharing your life and faith? If you want to be adventurous, you'll be boldly sharing your life and faith. And if you think you can't do it, have a look at our plan. It's really simple. We say, connect with people. Start somewhere. Care for them. Find a way to be a blessing to them. Then speak clearly about Jesus. That's our communicate C. And then lead them to commit to him as king. We have a very simple pathway here at New Life to say you can do it. Boldly share your life and faith. Connect, care, communicate, and lead people to commit. Now, this is, um, this is my favorite uh, website that I go shopping at. Uh, does anyone know what this is? It is a bike shop, that is correct, but a very specific one, Wiggle. Fantastic. So uh, Wiggle has all my biking needs for the, um, the mammal in your life. You, you don't have one. You can give thanks and pray for my wife, but okay. And then look, in my email inbox comes this. Your gold loyalty discount has tripled, tripled, I tell you, to 15%. What must I do, church, when that comes in? Yes, that is right. I, I, I've said to Caro, I've now done this three, day, three times across the day. The church affirms that I should buy something with my limited time. But I want you to notice, see, it does say something up there, limited time only. So, I mean, I've got to action this when? Right now. I mean, I'm going to get home. I'm going to start. You're feeling the pressure, aren't you? That wonderful, that wonderful benefit, all those pieces of lycra that I need. How wonderful. Um, what has that got to do with anything? Have a look with me at verses six, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. As God's, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. Here's the thing, guys. Judgment day is coming. The day of salvation is a limited time offer. It really is. It's not going to be open forever. When Jesus is standing in glory and we are standing before him, we won't be able to change our minds. It's a limited time offer. Today is the day of salvation. Let me show it to you on my Bible timeline. You remember this is 
Old Testament here from new creation all the way down to, um, to uh, return from exile. Here's Jesus in the New Testament being born all the way through to the New Testament. Where's today? Well, if we zoom in on that section there, today is after Jesus' birth, after his death on the cross, after his resurrection, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, but before his return in judgment and the new creation. We stand in this precious day before his return with all the benefits of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of the good news of Jesus. That's the day that we stand in called today. And so what are you praying for in this precious time that God's given us? What are you praying for that only God can do? Well, let me give you a couple of things that we can be praying for. If we pray with this precious time that God has given us, how about we pray for our friends and neighbours to come to know Jesus? We have a little card that's at the back called our 316441 card. Snazzy name, just to help us remember it. Four people that we want to be praying for. A family member, a friend, a next door neighbour and someone we're yet to meet. Ask for Jesus to have mercy today. Ask for Jesus to have mercy today. We can pray that we might take the next step. So take our friends the next step around. Have you connected with them? Have you cared for them? But you're stuck. You're stalled somewhere between care and communicate. Yes? God, help us out so that we might be able to speak clearly about Jesus. Pray about that, that we might take the next step. Pray that we might invite them to the gingerbread night if we're girls. I know, Darren, denied, but you can invite them to, uh, to our carols, which is on the 15th of December. Um, the gingerbread night's coming up. Uh, girls, it, it's always a great night. Um, you might want to invite your friends to that, but you can invite everyone to carols. All right, guys, we're talking about being adventurous. The tide of our world is running out in a particular direction, and even a dead dog can swim with the tide. Just goes with the flow, yeah? Church, you are not that. You are sons and daughters of God. And if you want to live an adventurous life, you need to be going upstream. You need to be going the other direction, yeah? And so I want to ask, have you met the real Jesus? The real Jesus. And have you found a truly new life? And if you have, you've got great news. So what should we do to be adventurous? Well, we should put the kingdom first. And the one that I thought of at the moment is America with these amazing placards, Make America First Again. My goodness, that's kind of a little bit of a G up, I assume, for them. But we don't want that. We want something far better. You and I want to make Jesus and his kingdom first, yes? That'll be being adventurous. Make that your goal, to make Jesus the king where you are. You might want to represent the king where you are, and that might mean wearing a blue shirt at carols. Fantastic. Come along and do the partnership course. That'd be great. Or it might just mean that you're God's ambassador in your family, amongst your friends, or whether you're serving God at work with a drop saw or a latte and a laptop. Pray that you would be God's ambassadors where you are. And thirdly, we want to be people, if we're praying adventurously, that are asking God to bring his kingdom into all the difficulties and hardships that this world presents. 2019 has a plan for us here at New Life. We are trying to create more space with you, more space in your life so that you can go deeper with Jesus and deeper with others. And if you are doing that, if we are doing that, we will be living an adventurous life.
Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've won us at great cost. You've given that message to us and you've entrusted to us the great role of being ambassadors. Help us to live that way and to please you more and more. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, it's time for our Care and Connect cards. If you can get them out, they should, should have been one in your Bibles. Can I encourage you, if you are new here tonight, uh, keep an eye out. I don't know if anyone's got our badge on tonight. I'm not sure. If they don't have a badge on, come find me. Um, we'd love to talk to you about how to join a life group or to uh, sign up for our community news. Uh, and you can do that by just ticking the box there that says, I am new. Uh, thankfully, a bunch of people listened to me this morning when I said, if you're a regular, can you write on your Karen Connect card, I'm here? That's always helpful for me. If you wanted to add, here's something you could pray for me this week or an area where I'd like to live adventurously, do that too. And then at the end of the service, we'll drop our Karen Connect cards in the box at the back.